It is a joy tonight to study with you on a sermon we've entitled The Great Commission. To you that have been born and raised in the church, you've heard of this phrase for many, many years. However old you are, that's how long you've heard about the Great Commission. This is a very important topic, and it's one that we should not take lightly. It is not time to tune me out, it's time to tune me in. Because we're going to cover quite a bit of information during this lesson that oftentimes is not discussed. Why is it called the Great Commission? You know, when you set out to go to Scripture and find the Great Commission, you're not going to find it. Whenever you find in a concordance or search it, you're not going to find it. It's never called the Great Commission. Although everybody who knows the Bible to even a small degree generally knows what you're talking about when you say the Great Commission. We plan to show you why we believe it's called the Great Commission during this lesson. We're going to be talking about several very unique areas and as the pattern is throughout this entire gospel meeting, we're going to be sharing with you information that will help you individually, I pray, but that will help you help others in their journey and their spiritual life. This is very important. And this is a one particular sermon that will come of great benefit. I've had numerous of ones to let me know that this helped them a lot. Others did too, but this one really made a difference. Because a lot of people say, well, I've been baptized. And many people just say, oh, okay, then I, I didn't know that. And, and let it go. It's not time to let it go. It's time to ask more questions. When? Why? What are the circumstances about it? And on and on we go. We'll be talking about a lot of that tonight. And then tomorrow night and even the next night, we're going to be addressing the final three lessons along this particular series of studies we've engaged in this week. And we've really appreciated your so much positive uh, response. That's been encouraging to me, and it's given me the courage to go ahead and go on. I don't know of any meeting I've held that I've covered all of these lessons in one meeting. There might be one somewhere, but I don't remember where it is. But in this lesson, I know you got Brother Frank here that is just absolutely one of the greatest person workers uh, in my lifetime. He's wonderful. You've got him to lean on. And he'd be glad to help you in any way possible. So you can plant and let Brother Frank help the water. The good Lord bring the increase. And this congregation with our two song leaders today, you have Tanner and Chris, you know, they are young men. And they will be uh, strong church leaders as the church continues to go year by year. The congregation has a tremendous future. You got a good group of men and women. You've worked together for this fantastic remodel of this building. Sometimes that's all you need to make a congregation smaller and start a big project like that. But y'all have done so well. It has been fascinating. All right, let's look at the Great Commission. It is recorded in the book of Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20. Perhaps this might be the number one place People would go. So would you please turn with me? 
I'll continue to preach from the King James Version. Matthew 28, verse 18 and 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with Yahweh even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now I'm going to read this account and I'm going to make some comments. If you're taking notes, and a number of you are, be sure to write this down. This is the only time in the New Testament that it says to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You will not find that anywhere else. You're not going to find that in Acts. They're going to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That is by his authority. But Matthew 28, 19 is the only place you're going to see in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is very, very important. And you will need to use that at times in some of your home studies and in your conversations with people. Well, as you look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20, but especially verse 19 and the first word of verse 20, you will find this message right here. Go, teach, baptize, teach. Those are the four directives given in the Matthew's account of the Great Commission. Go, get out of Jerusalem and go. Go where? I want you to go teach all nations. In other places we'll find, teach all the world. In Mark 16, verse 15, teach every creature. Mark 16, verse 15, preach everywhere. Mark 16, verse 20, among all nations, Luke 24, 47. Every person in all the world and every nation needs to hear the Great Commission. That's the reason today. I understand this, the metropolitan area here is 350, 400,000 or somewhere in that ballpark. That's a big enough city that you may be the only man or the only woman that some people ever meet that's a true New Testament Christian. You might be the only person. And I want to be very candid with you. If you do not share the gospel with them, who is and who will? It is frightening to me to think about if someone went in some just random neighborhood and they began to knock on doors saying, Sir, what must I do to be saved? How many doors would an individual have to knock on before someone told them the truth? Oh, they would get answers from a variety of people and who knows what kind of answers they may give. But I'm talking about a biblical answer. This is so very important today that we turn our tongues loose in a positive way. Next week, I've got appointments to preach about sins of the tongue. And this could be a very important engagement. And I'm glad to do that. But I'm here to tell you today 
There are many good usages of the tongue. One of which is to use your tongue in a positive way of speaking good of the congregation that you attend, your brothers and your sisters in Christ. And you have home studies and you're using your tongue in a positive way when you proclaim and defend the cause for which the Lord died. So when you think about the tongue, don't only think about sins of the tongue, and there are plenty of those. Think about the good usages of the tongue. Well, what we find here in the Great Commission in Matthew's account, you go, get out of Jerusalem, go and scatter out everywhere. And you read the book of Acts in chapter 2, they hovered around Jerusalem, and they really hung there all the way to chapter 8. And then in Acts 8, you see that due to the persecution, the church, the Bible says, was scattered abroad. And I'm sure within reason, the devil must have thought, yes, yes, I've won this. I've got it. I'm scattering out all these people. But much did he not realize. These people loved the Lord. They loved the Lord's church. And wherever they went, they established a congregation. He assisted in getting congregations established far and wide. The devil lost that battle. Many people look at Acts 8 verse 1 and, and just cringe over the fact of the persecution, drove them away. But really, to be honest, it was a victory for Christ and the church. Oh, I feel for the people that were persecuted, of course. But for the church, it was God's will. And oh, it is amazing how the church grew even beyond that. So understand the Great Commission. Go. Get out of Jerusalem and go. And when you get there, you teach. That is, you make disciples. You talk to people about the gospel. You tell them about the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And if you've witnessed that or you've seen him, you know, on one occasion, he was seen of over 500 people. If you happen to be one of those 500 people, you can say, I saw him. I saw him die at the cross and I saw him a few days later after he was resurrected from the dead. Give your faith. Talk to people. Share the good news with people. Yes, indeed. Go teach them and then baptize them. Baptize them for the remission of their sins. And we'll discuss that in more detail here in a little bit. That's why the Lord said, go, you teach them and you baptize them. And then, in verse 20, the first word, teach them, the new converts, to observe all things that I have spoken unto you. My dear friends, please listen to that. You do not need to ask, well, what should I study with this new convert? You teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Go, teach, baptize, teach. Every bit of that is found in the first writing of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now please turn over with me to Mark 16. And we're going to read verse 15 and 16. I'll go ahead and read through verse 20. But we'll concentrate on verse 15 and verse 16. This is very interesting. By the way, it's going to be the last chapter of Mark. Just like Matthew 28 was the last chapter of Matthew. 
In Mark, the 16th chapter, the recording of the Great Commission once more marks account of what Jesus said. If you have that red letter edition Bible, it's going to be mostly red letter. And he said unto them, here it is, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be down. I'll be back here in a moment. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall be recovered. Verse 19 and 20. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he said, He was received up into heaven, set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. All right, now, let's break down and examine this case of the Great Commission. What we find immediately, he let it be made known, go into all the world. We illustrated that here. Everyone is included. Go to all the world, Mark 16, verse 15. Go to every creature, Mark 16, verse 15. That is quite the fields of white and the harvest, but the laborers are few. The congregation here can double. If every member would work diligent to convert one soul to Christ, this congregation could double. You say, now, Alan, do you really think that's likely? No, I don't. Okay, but half of you do it. It'd be 50% larger. I would love for it to happen with everybody doing it, sure. But if half of you did it, and everybody worked, but only half accomplished it. That's all right. You got 50% more. And you start duplicating that year by year by year. And the church will be establishing a congregation over here and a congregation over there. It's going to grow. Listen, the gospel is so powerful. You can take hold of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. You can read that, discuss it with whomever you have opportunity, and you can share with them how the gospel is for me, but it's for you too. This gospel that Jesus spake is for you. Now let me tell you what else he said. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Oh, many people like to run to this passage, the latter phrase, he that believes not shall be damned, to say, see, baptism is not essential to salvation. Because he said he that believeth and is baptized, he didn't say he that believeth and is baptized not shall be damned. He that believeth not and is baptized not shall be damned. And since he didn't say baptism there, baptism is not important. Wrong. What he said was, he that believes is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. Let me tell you what. If a person does not believe, there's no reason to baptize them. Baptism is out of the picture because that person is not ready to meet their maker. Now I'm going to be right back. But let's go over to John 3 and 18. I want to show you another passage. And this will help to explain it. In John 3 and verse 18, the word of God says the following. Get a hold of this now. 
This is in the conversion of Nicodemus. This is two verses after, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. John 3, 16. Look at verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he is not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, if a person is not willing to believe, there's no need to move forward. They've got to believe in Jesus before you move forward. It's just like baptism. You never baptize somebody who doesn't bother to repent of their sins. And change their life, change their will, change their ways. You don't baptize people if they do not establish their faith and confession of the name of Jesus. Oh, the Great Commission means so very much. And we're looking at Mark chapter 16 and we're seeing a great truth taught here. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. It's a very, very strong passage. And the next couple of verses I'm not spending a lot of time on. I would like to, but in this lesson I'm gearing toward bringing out the things of the Great Commission that will apply to us today. This is in the day the miracles here. And verse 17 and 18 is part of that. And now verse 19. So then... After the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and was set down at the right hand of God. Now what in the world is he talking about? Do you know exactly what he's talking about? I'll tell you something. Most people do not realize that the ascension of Jesus, after his birth, after his life, after his death, after his resurrection, he was received up in glory. That was recorded, and the one that most people realize is Acts 1, 9 through 11. That's the one that most people go to. But you can go to Mark 16 and verse 20, or verse 19, so then after the Lord has spoken to them, he has received up into heaven. I want to tell you something. Did you know this? That when you get through reading Matthew, you turn right over to Acts 1 and pick up and continue your reading. And chronologically, it would all be there. Just like Mark. You read Mark 16, and it talks about that at the very end, the ascension of Jesus. Acts 1 picks up, and soon, verses 9 through 11, Acts 1, 9 through 11, he talks about the ascension. The same with Luke. You get through with Luke, you pick up at Acts 1, and you take off. Most people don't know that. It's just a matter of understanding the layout of the New Testament scriptures. We have four men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who are given to us the very valuable and very important teaching of the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection, life, death, and burial and resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. So what's taught in Acts 1, 9 through 11 is also taught in Mark and in Luke. So let's go to Luke. Luke 24, 46 through 47. Luke gives this account and it's so very valuable. Please follow me carefully, please. Verse 46, Jesus said, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise again from the dead the third day, 
and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, to establish my point that I just made, look down, please, to verse 51. And it came to pass, while he blessed him, he was parted from them and caught up into heaven. So there you see, John, Luke 24, verse 51, the ascension of Jesus. The same thing recorded in Acts 1, 9 through 11. So the ascension of Jesus is recorded in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, and the writing of Luke, and that's the first chapter. So please, uh, commit that to your memory and work on that because that is a very important part to show how Jesus got back to heaven. Lots of people ask that. How is he now sitting at the right hand of God? They will oftentimes ask. He said, oh, well, I'll show you three different verses that will give the answer to that. Mark, Luke, and Acts. It is so important. Okay, now let's look back at Luke 24 here. Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, where? Among all nations. Beginning where? At Jerusalem. Jerusalem, where the church had its beginning. Who's it going to go to? It's going to go to all the nations. Everywhere. Everybody. Everybody, everywhere needs to hear this gospel message. Friends, listen. The Great Commission is for everybody. And it's so important. Well, when you look back at Luke, the 24th chapter, you not only find the purpose and the benefit of baptism, you see repentance. This is, listen now, write it down. Repentance. Luke's account, Luke 24, verse 47, is the only occasion of the three of the Great Commission, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke is the only one that includes repentance. Lord willing, on Saturday night, I will preach about repentance. But Luke is the only one that mentioned that. You don't want to leave Luke out. Majority of the Bible tracts and sermons and that I hear, that I read, that people maybe put in print, like in a Bible tract or something, most time, they mention Great Commission, they put Matthew and Mark, they leave Luke off. Don't leave Luke off. He's powerful. He doesn't even mention baptism, but it tells you what it's for. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. My dear friends, we're learning in Luke 24, verse 47, we preach in the name of Jesus Christ. We baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. That is very, very important. Don't lose sight of Luke 24. It is Luke's account of the Great Commission. And it's for everybody. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke is like any other topic. We're studying the Great Commission. And what we learn is that they preached, they believed, they repented, they were baptized for the remission of their sins. And then, now if you look at this, of course, you don't say confession, but confession is illustrated in the book of Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 32 and 33. It's also mentioned in Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 9 and verse 10. 
and in other places as well. Let me talk to you about confession. Confession is not a one-time act. You don't just, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and then you don't confess anymore. No, confession is what you do at work and at school in your neighborhood and those you're fortunate enough to get in contact with. You can share your belief and your biblical understanding with whomever you can. It is so important. When is the last time you confessed the name of Jesus to anybody? When is the last time you confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You know, if we're not careful, we let time just get away from us. And we don't take time to do that. And when this is so important, because if you don't confess his name, he says, I will not confess you before my father. Let me tell you what, you don't want any part of that. That is a rough and a rugged road to hold. You're going to say, I, I, I'm just shy. I'm just timid. You listen here, you're lazy. If you're not willing to confess the name of Jesus, there's laziness on your part. Get out there and tell people, I believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God. And we're going to stand for Him in judgment. Don't go trying to have some kind of a cop out to where you don't have to do it. You do have to do it. If you don't confess Jesus, He clearly said, I will not confess you before my Father. You know what that should motivate us to do? It, it should motivate us to get out of here and start confessing to people the beautiful name of Jesus. Well, and in, in the three accounts of the Great Commission, preaching, believing, repenting, baptism for the remission of sin, and then other accounts equally emphasize confession. But do you know what? All, reading all of that, it still didn't say the Great Commission. Let me tell you why it's called the Great Commission. It's called the Great Commission because there was also a limited commission. A limited commission, you would only go, now stay with me here. This is very important. It's not difficult, but it's very important. I want you to turn your Bible with me to Matthew 10, verse 5 through 7. This is going to illustrate a truth that you may have never thought about before. In Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 5 through 7, the Word of God says the following. And please pay, pay very, very close attention because this really reveals a tremendous amount. I'll begin in verse 5 now, Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12, that's the 12 apostles, Jesus sent forth and commanded them. Here's the command. Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. At this moment in time, Jesus said, do not go to the Gentiles, do not go to the Samaritans. Now the Samaritans were half Jew, half Gentile. Don't go to them. That's what it said in Matthew 10, 5 through 7. It's what we call the limited commission. But we're talking about the Great Commission. Recorded in Matthew 28, Mark 16, and Luke 24. Why is one called Limited Commission and the other called the Great Commission? Because the Limited Commission limited who they could go to, and it was to the Jews. 
No, you can't go to the Gentile. You can't go to the Samaritan. You only go to the Jews. But in the Great Commission, you go to all nations. You go to all the world. You go to every creature. You go everywhere. You go to all the nations. You tell everybody anywhere the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why you have the Great Commission. It is one reaching out to everybody, everybody you work with, everybody in your neighborhood, everybody that you know on this work, on this earth today, the people you used to live by, the ones you went to school with when you were a kid, everybody, all of them, the gospel is for them. That's the great commission. And we today need to take hold of that and go teach people gospel. I don't expect you to be just as smooth as silk in your explanation of it your first few times. I don't expect that. God doesn't even expect that. But he does expect you to try. You know, we've given you plenty, plenty of tools to work with. And we plan to give you a couple of more real doozies tomorrow night and the next night, the Lord willing. And tonight's lesson, when you put all this together, it's going to give you much, much more to work with. We're trying to equip the saints because this congregation's got so much talent, so much energy, so much peace, love, and harmony. There is no reason that you're not growing, growing, and growing. You are in one way, and you can continue to grow in the same way, reaching out and converting people one by one. One by one, you're growing. My dear friend, don't you know, everybody working, you'll grow tremendously. You really will. It is amazing. Now, you're not going to sit back. I'm going to pick on Frank here a little bit. You're not going to sit back and say, well, we're going to let Frank do it. You know, Frank's our preacher. You know what? You're the member. You're the member of the church of Christ. You're a member of the Lord's family. Be thankful to your God you've got a preacher. Who's as good as he is at doing personal work? All preachers can't do personal work. Let me tell you that. Some are great pulpit ministers. Personal work is just really not their skill. There are others who can do great personal work, but the pulpit is not their favorite place to be. You just happen to have a preacher that can do both and many other things too. So everybody's got to work, men and women. You got to work. You got teamwork right here. You've got leadership, eager and willing to see the church grow. You've got a gospel preacher in the family that's here working with you. It is amazing what can be accomplished if everybody would join together and see who all they can convert. Talk, look up one of your congregational directories if you make those, where you have member your own members listed, you know, the phone number, the address, etc. Find the one that says 10 years old, if you can. Reach back and say, wow, I don't even know that person. Well, they may just be living around the corner. Who knows? They may live in your community. They fell through the cracks, perhaps. That happens all over this country. And you get talking about this individual and say, who in the world is that? I've seen that with people. I've sat down with the leadership. I've sat down with men and women before in their home and we've looked at their book 10 years ago. I've seen some are 20 and 30 years old. 
And people said, wow. You know, some of those people may still be living. And then all it takes is reaching back out, talking to them. If they don't come back, at least you've tried. You know what I'm so thankful for? I mean this with all my heart. I am so thankful that the Lord did not say, Alan, in order to go to heaven, you've got to convert 25 people. Oh, man, I'm glad he didn't say that. Can you imagine how hard that would be? How much pressure that would be on you? If the Lord called and had you and all, commanded all of us, you got to baptize 30 people. 40. Oh, my. Kind of sounded like Abraham a lot now. Lord didn't say that. He said, just go, teach everybody, plant and water. First Corinthians 3, verse 6. I have planted Apollos water. God brings the increase. God just wants you to plant and water. He'll bring the increase. He's taking the workload off of you. He said, just go tell people the gospel. Don't be ugly. Don't be rude. Don't be insulting to anybody. No, that's not doing anybody any good. No, show them I really care about you and I want you to go to heaven and talk with them about the gospel. Talk to them about life after death and all of that. Well, in conclusion tonight, I want to talk to you about a scripture of baptism. Now, there, there are great lessons being preached on this one topic. <clears throat> when the individual tells you, well, I've been baptized. When you tell them, you need to be baptized. Do not act as if baptism is all they have to do. Baptism when they're born again. And if all you teach is baptism, 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 you really haven't converted them. I had a, a really good friend of mine. This now has been several years ago. It's amazing how time runs on. But uh, he called me one day and he was in tears. He said, Alan, the last two or three days, my wife and I did what you mentioned. We went back and we gathered up all the old congregational church directories we could find. And we started highlighting those who are no longer coming to services. And we realized we had baptized 50 people. I said, well, that's great. He said, no, it's not great. I said, okay. Why is it not great? He said, because none of them come to church. Not a single one of them. Every one of them left the church. They were here today that's gone tomorrow. He said, and what I'm calling you for, don't you tell me why. I said, well, I can't absolutely be emphatic and dogmatic on why, but I can give you some ideas. He said, well, I'm sitting down. Shoot. I said, you converted them to baptism. You didn't convert them to Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? You can convert people to baptism. It's not hard to talk people into being baptized. That's an easy thing to do. By and large, it's pretty easy. You convert them to Jesus Christ. You let them know what Jesus did at Calvary. You share with them that good news. And you let them know when you follow in Jesus and you do that, then you will, you will run to the water to be baptized. That will just be part of it. But you'll be just born again. You'll be just now starting your Christian life. You know, with all respect, you know I love you and I care for you, but you probably 
converted them or convinced them to be baptized, but never convinced them and committed them to Jesus Christ. You didn't convert them to Christ. Or they would not, that many. I mean, you wouldn't be not be back a thousand for those who left. You ask for an opinion? That's my opinion. It kind of bothered him a little bit. He's a little bit peeved. But it's all right. He asked, I told him. He called me back the next day and said, wow. He said, you know, my wife and I thought about it, and I think you're right. We look back at some of our outlines, you know, that little home study outlines. It's baptism, 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 baptism. We didn't have a single one about Jesus Christ. He said, wow. So my friends, when we talk to people, give the picture, the whole picture. I love that song we used to sing. When I say I used to, we used to, because I just don't see it in the modern books. But they, they will be one day, Lord willing. I love to tell the story to those who know it best. That is such a beautiful song and really has touches your heart strings. Because when you love the church and you love this, I mean, this right here is, is just old hat to many of you. But you know what? You love to hear it. You know it's true. And you love your kids and your grandkids to hear it and your spouse. And you like to be reminded of it all. That's what's important. Well, in order to have a scripture of baptism, you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This phrase, in the name of, means by his authority of Jesus Christ. Luke 24 and verse 47. Luke gave the reason for the remission of sin. So in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, verse 19. Now, when I baptize people, that's what I say. Now, a person could reword that and, and mention one thing for the other. That's fine. That's not a problem. Not, no problem at all. Different people can say it differently, but just as long as they say what needs to be said and what is biblical. A few weeks ago, I was at one location and, and uh, the lady came up to be baptized. And the gentleman who was given the lesson that night, he, he let me know after church that he would like to be part of the baptizing her. I said, oh, sure, that's, that's fine. I mean, you can do the whole thing for that, I'm concerned. You're welcome to do that. And then as time developed, he kind of wanted a little help, so I agreed to go with him. So we both went in there. And I said, but you, you can baptize her, and I'll just be there to make sure everything goes smooth. And whatever words he said, it wasn't that, okay? I'll just leave it at that. He wasn't, didn't get it said what needed to be said. What he said was sweet and neat and nice, but it wasn't but chapter and verse. When he got through, he looked at me like, we're ready. Then I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what we find here? We can show you book, chapter, and verse of why. And you cannot go wrong with that. But let me tell you what. It's 827 or so. I'm going to be through about 30. So you listen quick because I'm going to talk quick. When an individual tells you, well, I've been baptized, 
Just because somebody's been baptized does not mean they have been scripturally baptized. My daughter, when she was baptized, she was really excited about it. And, and, and one of the neighbor girls who lived close by in our neighborhood was riding home with us from school. And uh, Olivia said, I was baptized last night. And this girl said, oh, I've already been baptized. Oh, really? Good. I said, oh, when? She said, oh, I don't know. Where? Oh, I don't know. Why? Oh, I don't know. She didn't know nothing other than her parents told her she'd been baptized. It came to be that she was baptized when she was six weeks old. She don't remember nothing about it. She may have been kicking and screaming because she didn't want to be baptized. I don't know, but let me tell you what. When people are baptized as infants, they're not scripturally baptized. And when people come to this morning's bench, you don't have one here, of course, but they have a little morning's bench up here a lot of places, and they come there and they pray. And you know what? When they leave that morning's bench to go back to their seat, they think their sins have been forgiven right there on that morning's bench. And then they gather up a group of people about every month or every quarter, and they baptize a whole slew of them. Let me tell you what, that's not scripture baptism. Because if they think they're saved before they're baptized, they're not baptized for their mission of sins. So you have to sit back and listen to what they're saying. You can ask them why are you baptized, and you can do that in a very kind way, and when, and how, and can, can you show me in the Bible where it was done that way? And you just sit back and listen. The more people talk, I found the more easy it is to convert them. Let them talk. And then you say, well, I know you, no doubt, your parents did what they thought was right. You did what you thought was right. But can I share with you what God's word teaches? And people say, oh, yes. And you show them. And they say, well, that, that, that doesn't look like mine. I said, well, we need to be rebaptized, like the Bible teaches. Acts 19, 1 through 5. Acts 19, 1 through 5. I could have written that somewhere, but I didn't on the board. That is the only account we have of people who are baptized in the John's baptism who later were baptized by the baptism of the Great Commission. And when people today are baptized in a way that does not meet according to Scripture, they need to be scripturally baptized by the baptism of the Great Commission. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.